Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Science, the show that breaks down the science of television and movies with a comedian and a scientist. Today, we're discussing The Fugitive. So I'll ask about vascular surgery, prosthetics, and how to survive a damn dive. But first, a short word from our sponsor. The Good. Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. Our first guest is a stand-up comedian, actor, writer, and director you might know from the hilarious TBS show The Dress Up Gang or his viral video Gangster Party Line, which has sparked his new podcast, which is also called Gangster Party Line. Welcome back to the show, Brent Weinbach. Hello and thank you for having me. I am thrilled to have you back. Brent, it's been, I don't even know, a year and a half or so since we last spoke about Total Recall. Um, As you know, I'm a gigantic fan of yours going back even before we met. I'm like dying to have stand-up come back again just so I could watch you do stand-up. I love the Dress Up Gang. It's, It's fantastic. If you guys have not seen that show, please go watch it. I think a lot of it is available on YouTube now. Is that correct, Brent? Uh, yeah, it looks like it. In fact, they even uploaded uh, the an unaired pilot as well. Please, everyone, go watch that. It's so freaking great and perfect and wonderful. Um, I've also heard your new podcast, which just came out, which is also fantastic and very funny. Would you mind telling us about that a little bit? Well, yeah, it's called the Gangster Party Line Podcast, and it is um, based on this that video that you mentioned, the Gangster Party Line, where which is was a fake commercial for a hotline that gangsters could call and talk crap to each other. And (laughs) so, um, you know, the number in that video is a real number. And even though that video is pretty old at this point, um, people still call that number all the time and uh, to this day. And so the podcast is me and some comedians um, and we take calls, uh, from random callers and talk crap to them. Yes, it's really great. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited that that voice you heard laughing in the background <laughs> is our next guest, who's also coming on the show for the second time. He is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons with Providence Heart and Vascular Institute. It is very good to have you back, Dr. John and Dussel. Hey, thanks, Ethan. I'm really looking forward to this. Which movie was it that John talked about? Uh, John talked about uh, Scrubs, a specific episode of Scrubs, Scrubs. actually. Uh Um, But he suggested that we watch this movie, The Fugitive, for this episode, and I'm thrilled about that. I don't know how you feel, Brent, but I love this movie. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I mean, I I saw it in the theater when it came out. Wow. And um, I think I probably saw it on TV, you know, several years later or something like that. But it's been a while um, since I saw it. And I did notice a lot of things I hadn't really thought about, you know, when I originally had seen it. And I've got a burning question, even just kick to, it to start off with. You want to go right off the bat? If you nice. Want, well, I, this is pr- maybe something John can weigh in on. But what is, you know, this is this is you know science, and what what is the science behind Julianne Moore appearing in, you know, two minutes of the movie and yet getting fourth billing in the credits? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you explain that? Yeah, and then, yeah, no, I, I, I actually do know the answer to that question a little bit, a little bit. But then my other question, which is that apparently there was, 
there was a, I guess her role was bigger and it got cut down. And then, oh. and I get, I imagine that her contract or had her being fourth build, you know, and they weren't able to change that. I that's what I can imagine. But, but the same goes for Sela Ward though. Why is she third build <laughs> when she has way less lines and screen time than, um, you know, any of the U S marshals that are besides Tommy Lee Jones that are in the movie. So explain that. Yeah. Explain that dude. Well, uh, originally they were trying to make Julianne Moore's character a love interest, and uh, it looks <laughs> yeah. really bad if you've just had your wife murdered in front of you to, you know, skip on to the next uh, ED doc that runs your path. I think they, they wanted to do that to Jane Lynch as well, but like, right. I think mean, rightly that. so, and thank God, <laughs> they, did, they did not make him... On the run, but also on the prowl. That sounds um, just imagine, terrible. <laughs> right. Imagine if he was going after both Julianne Moore and Jane Lynch's characters. That would have been crazy. Oh, like, while yeah. he's trying to solve the, while he's trying to solve his wife's murder. That is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it would have made him a lot less likable. Oh, apparently it was Harrison Ford's urging too that he 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 told yeah his request to have that storyline cut out or both those storylines cut out maybe I don't know. thank god yeah i read something similar about how he would basically rewrite scenes before that before they were filming um which i guess was for the better because the movie is great yeah i absolutely thought it was amazing i like not only was it just like perfect 90s movie um in that there were so many like tropes that became tropes because of this movie but also and this is something i only realized now is the science of it is actually remarkably good oh like there are some nuance to it that that like could have been improved on to make it like absolute perfection but like the way they unfolded the the scene of him in the or and the way that they like dropped breadcrumbs even for the scientific community about about the liver failure and the the drug and the responsibility of of all of these things coalescing into that one moment i mean it was just perfectly done Interesting. I, I, for me, I, I found it to be not as sound scientifically as a, as a layman scientist. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I found, oh, I just, this viewing, I just noticed a lot more of the contrivances through, you know, plot wise through, throughout the film, you know, just one after the, one after the next, it was one coincidence to the next. And then, and that's just something I noticed, but I was still entertained by the movie, but I just was a lot more, aware of just kind of almost how preposterous some of the coincidences were throughout the film and not to mention like the there was a lot of background music which i wasn't as aware of when i had seen it in the past yeah oh oh like you're saying they went they went too far well i just i i always find background music to be overly unnecessary you know kind of over and overdoing it you know but Mm -hmm. nonetheless it was still an entertaining film for me, yeah. um, but I just was more aware of things that I usually have issues with in movies and f- finding them in this movie. I wanted to ask before we get into the scientific portion of all of this stuff, and and John, you went above and beyond too. You know, a lot of scientists will come on here, and and God bless them for even coming on to the show. But you certainly went the extra mile and sent a bunch of notes that you took during this movie. So I want to ask you about them, but just fugitive wise. Do you would you either of you do anything differently if you were trying to hide from the police in a big city? I mean, you've got to keep in mind that I am not nearly as good looking as Harrison Ford, but I'm also a six foot two, 190 pound white guy. So the privilege in this movie 
definitely extends beyond what what I would have expected from the 2020 age. Yes. Um, that being said, uh, I don't I don't know that I could uh, sleep rough and then have a, uh, a strange woman in a car pick me up hitchhiking with people <laughs> along the street saying that there's a murderer on the loose. <laughs> yeah, or really any time. And that goes for anybody listening as well. Male, female, whatever. <laughs> Don't just pick somebody up on the street and give them a ride. That's a bad, that's a dangerous move. Right, so it's more, uh, you know, something you would do differently if you were the woman driving the car. <laughs> right, yeah, that was my like, question. I, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick the random guy up off the street. I know that is kind of interesting. I mean, I don't think, even if a murderer was not running loose in the city, <laughs> right. I don't think I would... I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure I would pick a man off the street. No, you know, pick up a man off the street. I mean, no, no offense to the, no offense to the man, but I just no, and none taken. But I, I don't think uh, <laughs> that he was in a big trench coat also, and it just looked right. Yeah, it was way too. It was chill. yeah. Is the way he was dressed too? But no offense to anyone who wears trench coats and stuff or whatever. <laughs> but no, or manufactures them. Right. Um, it is interesting how. Easy, easy it is for a white man to blend into the world. Yeah, he literally you went know? into uh, like a police station or or what was that place? He went to like talk to a prisoner and had to right. go through like six security checkpoints and nobody gives him a hard time at all. I, that scene has a very funny moment in it for me um, when he's running from uh, Tommy Lee Jones and he's saying, stop that guy, he's running away or whatever. And then there's this security guard guy or something that's in, he kind of just reaches over and tries to grab Harrison Ford. I wish I could show you the clip, but Harrison Ford is running for the door that's, the, the, that's closing. Mm -hmm. And there's this guy who kind of just does the weakest attempt at trying to stop him. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I know the guy. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I just thought that's the best he could do. It's just, he just kind of just reaches his arm over just it's, it's, barely to try to grab. Like, I don't know what he was thinking he was going to try to do with one hand yeah. and one arm. But it also kind of astounded me that nobody could stop him in, at that moment. You know, there was two guys. There's that security guard guy. And then there was another kind of police officer or something that was closer to the door. And it just seemed like, how is nobody... <laughs> I don't know. How is no one stopping him at this point? Yeah, everybody's <laughs> yelling. It's like very clearly him. He's not in a crowd. And the dude, you're right, just like reaches over the way that you do at like a long dinner table, like when you reach for <laughs> garlic bread. But it's you're right, not really exactly. reaching for it. You're just making a signal that someone should help you. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, he, I mean, maybe he was trying to signal to a guy off screen on the other side of, of Harrison Ford to, oh, can you pass the Harrison Ford to, to over to me? You know, maybe he, that's what he would meant to, he was trying to do or something. Yeah. Like yeah. Signal. Can you help me with that, with this fugitive situation? I'm kind of yeah, busy. Can, can you help me with this Kimball? Can you pass the Kimball, please? Pass me a little oh Kimball, would you? Can we just reflect for a second on the fact that he was visiting a guy who was in jail with one arm who was arrested for armed robbery <laughs> yeah like they hit that point three or four times and i could not get over it right 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 <laughs> i actually yeah right i actually thinking about the movie afterwards i i actually almost blocked out i, I actually thought to myself now they just said that guy did had done robbery right i was thinking in my head because there's no way he did i i was thinking <laughs> Did they really say armed robbery? I was thinking, it's, no, they must have just said robbery. I just thought. <laughs> you corrected it. 
yeah, <laughs> in I your did. head. Yeah. After when I was thinking about it afterwards, I thought they didn't say armed robbery, right? Because that would be just too that on the nose, like a joke. Yeah, there was a joke. I, yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to actually get your uh, perspective on that, Brent, because I feel like I I don't think it was like comedic at first, but as the movie went on, I did feel like oh, they're kind of using this prosthetic one-armed guy as like a comedic device because they mention it so many times there's so many people that mention like (laughs) oh yeah you said the one-armed guy did it and it's like are we supposed to is this an ongoing joke or like what like a one-armed guy really did kill his wife so like what is wrong with all of you that you're making fun of him (laughs) well you know all i can say to speak to that is that the the main the main one arm man the one who did do it Sykes he had one of the funniest lines that I remember from watching the movie years ago that stuck out to me the most was when he answers the phone at one point he goes yeah talk to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I thought that was just a, such a funny way to answer the phone that I used it for years afterwards <laughs> talk to myself me. I go you yeah, talk to me <laughs> yeah talk to me. It's like, yeah, that's why I called you. It's just so funny. That's just the funniest line for me. Also, I wanted to ask if this felt anti-prosthetic, if I may, because he boils down the suspects to five people that have had, quote, hybrid prosthetic uh, implants, um, which I don't even know what that means. So maybe that's something you can explain to me too. But then we find out that three out of five of those patients are either criminals or dead. <laughs> Which is like, what are the odds of that? Um, first things first is like upper extremity prostheses are, are actually more rare than the lower extremity um, components. And I have a lot more experience with lower extremities. Mm. Um, but the, the hybrid idea, which I was shocked to find out was kicking around in the 90s, has really evolved. They're, the problem is that a prosthetic doesn't work quite as well as normal tissue. Um, So when you get a prosthetic, um, making its ease of use and uh, decreasing the amount of energy that you have to expend using that prosthetic, then will facilitate your ability to transition back to uh, better function. Um, And so right now they have adaptive prostheses that can send information to the joints that are supposed to be moving or um, the amount of pressure that's being placed on, the fit on the, the extremity. Um, it's, it, there's a lot of ongoing research and innovation to, to really make these as seamless as humanly possible. And there's like phenomenal stories. One of my favorite patients is a double amputee and he's still playing golf. He's shooting TikToks now. Wow. But uh, yeah. yeah TikTok it's, and golf. It's really quite phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> I think the point was that that this prosthetic was a very specific type. It had a hinged joint in it. And so um, when when you've got a lab like that and you're using this newest model, it, it really doesn't surprise me that there are very few of those out there. And then to your further point, um, the idea that these people are either criminals or dead. <laughs> um, the, I can't explain the, the, two, the two criminals, but I can tell you that a lot of the time, um, when you're dealing with people who have amputations, the reason they got the amputation is what will ultimately uh, cause their uh, mortality. Um, the 
if you have a traumatic accident, well, then you're probably going to go back to being pretty much how you were beforehand. However, if you have gotten an amputation because of things like extensive out-of-control diabetes, long-term smoking, atherosclerosis, um, limb salvage then becomes an issue, but you've got blood vessels everywhere in your body, and so they're not just affecting your limbs, they're affecting every part of you. And that could uh, potentially be the reason that these other people had their problems. Hmm. Well, on that uh, wonderfully positive, uh, smiley, happy note, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We're going to throw to our sponsor, and we'll be right back to learn more. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. So we're back, and the huge question that I have here is, what you do, John, because <laughs> I understand that you have like the same job that Richard Kimball had. Is that correct? Uh, he was much, much uh, better at it than I am. But yeah, yeah, we have pretty, pretty similar gig. Did, did watching this movie originally like influence you into going into this field? So I was seven when this came out. Um, I, I didn't see this until I was well, well into the future. No, I, I got into vascular surgery when I was in training. Um, and just the amount of stuff that we're able to do is absolutely mind-blowing. We get the coolest toys. Okay, so first of all, I think that your answer to Brent's question is yes, you just tucked it away in your subconscious, but somewhere you knew <laughs> I want to be like him. Um, so, oh, yeah, 100%. But you all... It's either this or Space Pirate, so... <laughs> you couldn't couldn't do that one, so... <laughs> couldn't, couldn't do Space Pirate, no. <laughs> so... What does a vascular surgeon do? Can you tell me like how the surgeries range from, you know, mo sure. more basic to more complicated, let's say? Yeah, so the, 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 like the overarching idea of what a vascular surgeon is, is essentially a plumber for the body. Um, if the pipes are clogged, we open them up. If the pipes are bleeding or, you know, broken, we fix them. And then if the pipes are abnormal, we replace them. It's... Um, uh, it can range from anywhere in the body to very um, delicate and um, microscopic work to um, broad bone saws, and um, it, it basically runs the gambit of pretty much everything. You've got blood vessels everywhere in your body, and anytime they go wrong, we're the, the people they call. And do you get called into the hospital like he did uh, towards the beginning of the movie? like When you're coming home from a like a, a charity dinner or something like that? Yeah, you you're know, winding down. With your wife, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and do you ever get calls on your on your uh, car phone as opposed, to your, <laughs> you know, as opposed to your cell phone? This scene particularly was a really fun one for me. Because, yeah, I, I do get called regularly overnight because people have blood vessel problems at every time of the day. Um, generally if I'm, you know, at a function, my wife and I will take two different cars and it got an audible, audible laugh when, um, we got to the scene where she says, oh, I'll wait up for you. Cause there is, there's nothing I'm getting called into the hospital for that she's going to stay awake for. <laughs> You're never called in to like sign a paper. Yeah, it's it's never like, oh hey, glad you're on call. Okay, you can turn around. No, it's and it's a situation like this where like someone is having a active bleeding problem and it needs to be addressed immediately. Wow. Oh, and so your wife doesn't she doesn't put rose petals on the floor <laughs> for you when you come home that later that night or something. <laughs> <laughs> I've been married for ten years, man. Oh. <laughs> We, um, if the kids are asleep, we, we have just the best time listening to Ethan's podcast. Oh, 
Oh, that that is the, those are the red rose petals. Then is the exactly. podcast exactly. Yeah. They're sort of audio petals. In '93, it was rose petals, and now in 2021, <laughs> it's podcast. Podcast, right? Yep, yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately, we we really have fallen a long long way in our romance. Or we've or we've elevated. You know? right? Yeah, you don't give yourself enough credit, even. Oh, elevated. thank you so much. Um, evolved. We have evolved. Yes. Um, so, and this is just you know my own kind of paranoia seeping through the podcast but like are there things that we can do advice you have so that we can avoid uh surgery so that we can avoid meeting you oh man you're like this is like the perfect layup question um absolutely even and you know what it is the most boring stuff you can possibly think of (laughs) like exercise get your heart rate up 30 minutes a day, maybe four to five days a week. Uh, don't smoke cigarettes or use tobacco products. Um, you know, keep a relatively small amount of animal uh, fats in your diet and um, essentially try to keep hydrating. Like, it's, oh, it's really fat. the boring stuff. So wait a second. Coleman, let me ask you this. Can you do this? Can you get? Can you keep the animal fats out and not smoke, but also not exercise can we can yeah. we settle on Does that it balance like two out? out of three or you can do anything you want it's just the amount of time it's going to take e- everyone is eventually going to wind up in my office it's just how quickly you get there yikes you can you can exercise your way through a lot of vascular problems like some of it is genetics so you, you'll want you'll want to know where your uh where, where your genetics lie in that regard but um you know a, a yearly physical with your primary care physician and just doing the the basics to keep you healthy um, will really keep you out of a lot of trouble. And is it cholesterol levels is the main thing we're concerned about when we go get a checkup? Correct. Yeah, well, at least that's that's one of the ones that we focus on specifically. But mm-hmm. like things like exercise tolerance is also pretty important. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think yeah. that's boring at all. You know, I think getting ripped is really cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think exciting. sweating. I think sweating is tight. You know, Dude. I I love to get wet. You know, Hell and by yeah. wet I mean sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have a quick question. This just just came to mind just now. Is that is the does the word sweat? Well, it's almost like the word. I I know it's not this, but isn't it interesting how the word sweat almost sounds like a mix of the words wet and maybe salty like salty wet you know what i mean yeah and that's equals sweat that's because that's what sweat is it's kind of just this salty wetness salty liquid yeah is that where it came from john god i was not prepared (laughs) in all the notes you sent me this wasn't part of it no shockingly the etymology of sweat really uh really didn't didn't come up well did it did the word used to be (laughs) sweat Or it's like, is, did, it, did it used to be like a Yiddish thing? Yeah. Shretting. Shre- That's how my family says it. I am shretting right now. I am shretting. <laughs> See, what's boring about this? Isn't it schwitz? I yeah, schwitzing. Maybe it came from schwitzing. Yeah, Maybe I'm it came schwitz- from schwitzing. Yeah. Schwitzing. Like most oh, yeah. English words, they, it came from Yiddish. <laughs> it came from Yiddish. Yeah. Naturally. Okay, wait. So speaking of the surgery like scene where he gets called in, Yeah. Uh, the, how was that? Did that strike you as like, this is totally great and perfect and everything they're doing and saying is right? Or was that like, oh, this is clearly movie surgery? Yeah, when no, they when they showed a, awesome. when they showed a quick shot of the you know the actual the blood and stuff, yep. did that look like yep. real blood and stuff? Oh yeah, no, oh, yeah. this is 
<laughs> this was one of the parts of it that like really excited me. Like the so he gets called in, right? And he walks into the operating room. Already you've got two attending physicians there, which is perfect because that's exactly what you'd expect to see. He's got a a big um, big incision overlying the, the liver where it should be. There's a lot of blood. And then they're rattling off a bunch of information for him, which, you know, sounds just kind of like uh, background dialogue. But what they're saying is that this guy is in fulminant liver failure. And it wasn't until, it, like, you know, an hour later that they're talking about these people who get the drug, who get this liver failure. What they were doing was essentially, like, uh, giving you the heads up that that was coming if you, if you knew what they were talking about. The PT or the prothrombin time, they said that was three times normal. Now, what you want is, is a, a time that will allow you to clot. And what they're saying is that he is, he is not clotting at all. This patient is bleeding from everywhere. When they say needle hole bleeding, that is a very nuanced uh, type of bleeding, which describes um, when you have a needle and a piece of string on the end of it, it's called shotted. It, it basically takes up a very similar size as the, the needle. So when you pass the needle through tissue, it doesn't bleed around that. It just maintains that entire area with the pressure from the needle, from the, the suture that's still underneath there. Well, what they're saying is that even though they're passing these stitches, that it's still bleeding from the area where they're putting their needle through, which this guy was in very rough shape in the operating room, the, the patient that is. Um, and then when you have these bleeding coagulopathies, a lot of very, very smart surgeons suggest packing the belly, so basically putting a bunch of coagulation factors in and pushing down and then bringing the patient to the ICU with the belly still open in order to warm the patient up, correct the acidosis, and co correct the coagulopathy and take them out of that lethal triad because otherwise the patient is just going to expire on the table. Okay, so this is legit. You're saying that they... It's, it is awesome. Wow. Awesome. The, the, only, the only critiques I would have is... The, the glasses that he puts on with the, 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 the loops in the middle of them, we do that ourselves because the, the pupillary distance needs to be right. You need to adjust them. Um, and then um, besides that, oh, he holds, he holds the instruments wrong. Like the, the way that you hold um, the, the instrument that he got and then the way he, that he cuts his beard later with the scissors, n no surgeon is ever going to cut their, their anything like that. It, it's so ingrained in us that it's like it just seems like sacrilege. Wait, what? Like, wait, what, what do you mean the way that they, he cut the beard? What's... So so the way that he's holding the scissors between his first two fingers, Oh. you have zero control over the blade like that. Oh. What you do is you hold it, if you have to hold the, the shears like that, what you do is you hold it between your thumb and your fourth finger, and that way you have not only the control of your... Um, of your middle finger to actually like maintain pressure on the blade, but you can direct it um, like you would a pencil with your uh, with your first finger. That that is the only thing that I found that was like okay, this this is not perfect. But like the setup, the the, the style of bleeding, the um, the lab lab values that they were describing, and then like the 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 surgery itself. I mean, it's exactly what you want. And then oh man, my favorite part is when he asks for the suction right off the bat because when you walk into and all are like this, the, the tension is so high that you need to find a way of like settling everyone's blood pressure, not only the patient's. So what you do is you try and clear up this the, the scene and you just try and see what's going on. And so getting suction in, and, uh, and doing some irrigation where you basically clean out the surgical field, it, it, is, it is a way like everybody can 
decrease their collective heart rate and blood pressure and like reevaluate the situation. And that's, that's really why like the best surgeons I know are the ones who are, are early to call in help. Cause honestly, once it gets to a point where it's just complete melee, it's, it's too far gone for any critical thinking to happen. You're in, so you're in damage control. If Brent and I had to perform emergency surgery, the the right move right off the bat is let's suck up all this crap. Every, somebody get in here and vacuum up all this crap, and then everybody <laughs> will somebody, chill. Somebody, out. somebody get in here and suck. Yeah, is that? Can somebody suck. Can somebody suck this stuff out here. Is that what you're saying, John's words? Oh man, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, can I get a can I get can can I get a suck? Can I get a suck? Talk yeah, talk to me. Somebody somebody give me a suck over here. Oh. <laughs> somebody give me a suck. That'll help me chill out. Do you ever do kind of funny voices when you're in the operating room, or do you, are you not allowed to joke around in the operating room? Ooh, great question. In the situation that um, Dr. Kimball found himself in, it would not be a time to be making jokes. But, well, but, also, um, if you're making jokes, isn't there a possibility that someone could? You know, if they're laughing too much, they can, you know, be not as steady with in any kind of instruments. That could no. be a problem, right? Absolutely not. No, so in, in the OR, like, like all, all kidding aside, our, our only priority is patient safety. And anything that interferes with that goes way out the window. Right. If, if that is taken care of, then you can move on to the, the speed and the beauty of the, the operation. But and until the then, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although there, so what... Um, in, in the coagulation cascade, so when, when you're trying to make fresh clot, there are like a couple ways of going about doing that. Um, one of them is uh, a drug called protamine, which will reverse the effects of heparin. And when you give that, you have to wait approximately three to five minutes for it to circulate through the body. Um, and that's when we can, we can make our can ham it up. And do have you ever gotten and, squirted? Oh, yeah. Oh my god! Like hardcore. Like, like did you ever get man. just like drenched in blood by someone's blood and stuff? Absolutely. Really? They're, they're, yeah. There's a there's a, a phrase in vascular called audible bleeding. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and what that means is that when you're dealing with some of the larger vessels of the body, you can hear the blood rushing out of a hole being. Oh, Jesus! It's, it's a bad situation, but uh, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. Where does it's it? A, where do you get? Where does it blast you? Like in the on the. In the have you ever gotten the face like just a big just just splash know, zone? Did you ever get hosed in the face by blood or what? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Oh gosh, jeez, wow. We take very strong precautions. So we have personal protective equipment, which will prevent any interaction with um, anything coming off of the field. But um, but yeah, that stuff gets soaked for sure. Wow. Does that kind of bot? I mean, do you get scared ever about getting hit with all this blood all the time and stuff? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for about a decade, so right. but it's still no, yucky it's blood. Actually, some of the best uh, some of the best surgeons I've I've met. One of them was a plastic surgeon. She said, "Never look away from the blood because the, the blood is going to show you exactly where it's coming from, and the best way to right. to control that is just one finger putting pressure on the hole." I mean. That's that's the takeaway from this. If there's ever any bleeding, just put a finger on it and hold pressure until help arrives. Well, that's suck it. first, but then yeah. <laughs> suck first. No, first don't suck, suck until I get there. <laughs> suck and then plug. Suck and plug. Exactly. Suck, suck and plug. Yeah, it says every surgeon's. You know, that's the motto of every surgeon. Suck that's and right. plug. Just plumbing for humans. Yep. Uh, another perfect spot here to hear a word from our sponsor, which I believe is a product called Suck and Plug. Uh, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> the break is over. 
Okay, so we got to talk about this. There's a huge train wreck uh, scene in this movie, which is awesome. And I actually forgot how close of a call it was that he (laughs) jumps, that he jumps from the bus as it's getting hit by a train. Um, I love so many things and, and honestly could probably do a whole podcast episode about just this scene. But you you mentioned it in your in your notes, John. You were saying that uh, that pulling the guy from the bus is just EMT one hundred and one. Yeah, absolutely. So I was an EMT in Boston before I uh, went to med school. Wow. And um, and so like the first thing they teach you is personal safety because the last thing you want is to have two sick people in an area. And so like if they're laying in a puddle of questionable or if they're like there's live active electrical wire or a train is barreling down on you. You don't go running in, but you know Dr. Kimball is is a, a guy who obviously has very strong values. So the the next thing you do is get the person to safety before starting to try and treat them, and that's mm. you know EMT one hundred and one. You know that those the train and the bus st- is still where they shot it apparently, and oh yeah, in Hillsborough, yeah, uh, North exactly. Carolina, yeah, exactly, yeah. They mm-hmm. just left it. Yeah, you yeah. can you can visit it and just check it out. And there's no one. It's just like uh, it's just there in the woods or why, whatever. You know? Why would they leave it? Why wouldn't they uh, have a plan to get rid of it after the movie shoot? I don't understand that. I think they just thought it looked cool, maybe, and they thought, "Hey, we'll just leave this here. This is kind of cool. People can check it out, you know." And it's just, you know, that's what I'm gonna say right. next time I make a mess, like in the kitchen. Right. I'm just gonna be like, "Well, I mean, I think it looks pretty cool. Like, people are well, gonna like this." <laughs> well, ne- yeah. Next time you leave. Um, a, like a six pack of soda like one of those those plastic ring things you know like you leave you know you leave that in the ocean you know you just say it's cool how it floats around in the ocean like that yeah you know? people for and, 30 years you know, are going to want to check this out trust me yeah when you, you like you know crumple up a next time you like throw a cigarette uh, you know, onto the street near where there's you know maybe some oil leaking or whatever and stuff yeah. just say it looks cool People could visit this. Yeah, that looks dope. This is like art. And you know I love cigarettes. Right. Right. We all, you know. Not everyone. No, definitely not the best. (laughs) Oh, I've actually never smoked a cigarette in my entire life. Yeah, I was forced to smoke uh, a little bit of one once, and I have never gone back. It was disgusting. Sorry. I'm just saying, you know, you can just leave trash around and just, you know, say that, you know, people are going to want to come check this out. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's huge. You have to shoot it too, though. So if you get out your phone or right. something, or if you have a, happen to have a camcorder on you, you got to make sure you are shooting something with it to legitimize it, though. You know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then leave it there. Um, that's crazy. I did not know about that. That's uh, wild. Um, so what about stealing the ambulance? I think that was something that both of us also uh, clocked. Like. Would you be able to even steal an ambulance? I feel like because he does a lot of like really smart moves in this movie. And then when he stole the ambulance, I was thinking like, wouldn't they know about this like immediately? Like, I assume they kind of need those. (laughs) And also, would you if you didn't have a background as an EMT, would you know how to do that to drive one or whatever or operate it? They handle terribly. They're they're. They are garbage vehicles to drive. Um, I'm sure there are some good ones, but like your your average ambulance is a really awful car to steal. It's really, I mean, it's it's quite conspicuous. Like you you can see this thing, and it it's uh 
I'm, I'm sure that they've like got them tracked as well. I got a ride in an ambulance once that was not an emergency. Um, it was an old ambulance that this anarchist couple and their baby, they were driving from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And I, it, I saw a Craigslist ad for Craigslist rideshare that said, we're driving out of Los Angeles in an ambulance. I thought it was a joke. And they showed up and they picked me up. It was in an ambulance that they had some old ambulance and it ran on um, vegetable oil. What? And we stopped on them in the middle of the road. I mean, in the, in, in the middle of the trip at one point, and he scooped out disposed oil, uh, vegetable or whatever. Yeah, vegetable oil from uh, or cooking oil from um, this red robin that was on the road. And um, he said it, it was so clean the, that he didn't even have to filter it. And so we just went in that. And yeah, we were riding on vegetable oil and smelled like um, French fries. Wow. Unbelievable. And then they didn't try to kidnap you or kill you, it sounds like. No, it was close, but no, I, I fought him off. Do you still have both of your kidneys, though? I, I, I don't. They, they didn't take them from me, but I sold them on the black market myself. So, you, know. <laughs> they, you sold both of them? <laughs> yeah, I sold them. Yeah, I didn't need I felt like I didn't need them. Who needs them? You know, <laughs> you know what you do need in this world? Cash. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Money, money, baby. That's what it's all about. I don't, who needs kidney when you got money? Yeah. You know? Damn right. Um, by the way, speaking of that scene with the ambulance, I did. I mean, that was one thing that was a little bit. I mean, there's, there's always a, there's a series of contrivances that, you know, that, you know, you would expect. I mean, there, there's inciting incidents that are OK. This combination of things happened to create this situation. But it, the timing of of the. Uh, the the guard the I don't know if he was a guard the guard or the, yeah I guess he was a guard coming arriving in the ambulance just as when you know Doctor Kimball was trying <laughs> to steal an ambulance it was sort of just kind of perfect timing I mean it was a little maybe too perfect timing I mean what do you think about that yeah I would agree and he also that's the scene where he yells like. Uh, tell the attending he's got a puncture in the upper gastric right. area and then. And then one of those guards says, like, wow, you could tell that just by looking at his face. What was right. that? It doesn't question it at all. I just, again, you know, Harrison Ford was doing fine, right? He was in hiding perfectly. And then he happens, the one kind of dingy, you know, apartment that he decides to pick happens to be one that of a, of a like, where the son of the, like, landlord or whatever is... A crim some kind of criminal or you know or drug dealer yeah, or something like drugs that to kids. It happens to be that and yeah. he happens to get busted when uh harrison ford is staying there which at this particular yeah. time and the cops that are busting him don't check the house How and they often, don't check the house yeah like he probably has drugs in there he's a he, drug he, dealer and they're like now we got our man let's right, go exactly they didn't decide to check the house and then i don't know it was just again that was i mean there were i, th I found there to be instances like that all throughout the movie where it was just everything yes. was perfectly i mean everything worked out to his disadvantage and advantage perfectly you know <laughs> like um in a very yeah. in a way that felt a little bit you know unbelievable but for you know an action movie or whatever you know kind of you know it was like hey all right you know it's whatever it's still fun to watch yeah, you know? i felt myself asking too brent like is this too much like if i was writing this that would come up in my absolutely. mind of like is this too much is this too absolutely. coincidental and then anytime that came up for them clearly the answer was 
no right do it because it's too much do it go (laughs) we're going there every time okay so yeah i have to ask about the dam i i just i went back like you know i've never watched this movie while taking notes okay i've seen it multiple times but i've always just enjoyed it this time while taking notes i had to instant replay the jump off the (laughs) dam like three four times and if you guys haven't done that out out there i implore you to do so because it is hilarious it looks like it's like a uh, either CGI or a dummy that they throw or something. It's a hundred percent. It's a dummy. dummy yeah, total dummy. <laughs> yeah, a dummy. <laughs> this dummy looks like he's going head first into the into the wall into the dam like immediately. <laughs> yep. So I mean, and and they make several jokes right after that about hey, come on, man, nobody's gonna survive this. Like they're telling Tommy Lee Jones, like this guy's fish food. It's over. But I mean, do you think there's any chance this guy survives the damn fall? All right. So I, I saw this question coming and I, I broke out my calculator, my protractor. I had a mechanical pencil oh, yeah. and go. then I went back to first principles and I did, I did the full math on this guy. Okay. So the Choa Dam, uh, it's 69 meters or 220 feet tall. Ford's mass is around 86.6 kilograms, based off of what he said earlier. And then the fall is about (laughs) 3.74 seconds, which means velocity on impact is about 36 meters per second, or 82 miles an hour, okay? So to put that into perspective, a pedestrian struck by a car going at 58 miles an hour is going to be 90% fatal. But I I know there's a big but coming, and that's you need to factor in position, posture, body type, body... um, shape when going into the water the wind the surface tension and the water churn and thickness okay? of beard at the time to- at the time you know, it, it was or, a, or a lack thick, of beard. Thick, thick beard so the world cliff diving record <laughs> yeah. um in not same circumstances but similar is 54 meters and the guy did okay and so maybe he survives but then okay may, okay the, the maybe is a science maybe okay it's like he's got less than a one percent chance at walking away from this the only record that I can see that someone um, survived a, like a 68-meter fall um, was in 1985 off the Golden Grape Bridge where a 28-year-old cracked his ribs and bruised his leg. Other falls from that height into water similar to this is 98% fatal. So, like, there is wow. there's no way he is walking away from this with a cut on his arm. <laughs> I mean, I, I can yeah, he was safely fine. say that, that he would not be... He would not be great. <laughs> I mean, this is one part I f- well, actually was fine with, you know, like, it, because I just was, like, the movie called attention to the fact that it was like, it would be a one in a million chance that he survived it, you know, and it was, it, it was, it was presented as something that no one really should survive this, you know, but he happened, mm-hmm. he did, you know, so I was thought, okay, fair enough, you know, I mean, to me, I, yeah. I actually found it less believable that, 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 you know, that he stayed in that place with that the guy was a drug dealer, you know. I, thought, I found that to be less believable in a weird way, you know, or something like that. You know? But Brent, please answer me this, buddy, because you're a Hollywood guy, okay? Over here, TV shows, you you know the the behind the scenes, behind the curtain stuff. Why make it look like that dummy is going head first right away into the right. wall? Well, I, I the way I actually understood that part was that he just he was he. I think, as I recall, what happened was is he dives in. I mean, Harrison Ford does, does a head-first dive when he jumps, mm-hmm. like jumps, 
And then the dummy, it seemed, was the head was up, I think. The head was right side up. And then, or something like that. Or it was maybe turning. I just thought, you know, yeah, he's doing flips, you know, as he's, he starts diving and then it, the, the wind, you know, the wind or the, the water or whatever, it flips him around. So he's right side up. And then he's, he's kind of doing like a, you know, ar- arms and legs all spread apart. I don't know. It just yeah. seemed like, you know, it's a crazy time, you know, there's. Yeah. 93. Who knows? Jurassic Park's out. Oh, but what didn't check out as much though, con- you know, aside from the drug dealer thing was. You know, he goes into the guy's house, you know, talk to me's house, and it's like, I don't know, just the ease at which he found these photos. There just happens to be these stacks of photos laying around where he can, or not laying around, but just he looks in his desk and there's stacks of photos, and it's just, there's such incriminating photos. I don't know, just the incriminating, <laughs> he finds everything he needs so easily, you know? It was yes. just, was just, yeah, quickly, and, yeah. and it was just, I mean, what a, you know, and then, uh, and then even finding the arm that that he had happened to have, like he wasn't the fact that he was wearing that he finds the arm that he dealt with during the attack in that in his drawer. Right. It just was all so easy. It was just all there for him him to and and he's not home. He's also not home too. I mean, whatever. I guess he called ahead of time to check he wasn't home. But you know, it's like <laughs> thank God the guy had one arm because if not, I have no clue how he would have found him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, exactly. Then he would have been really screwed. Well, he would have been, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Real quick, because we're running short on time, would there ever be a reason for a nurse to be on roller skates? What was that? (laughs) No, (laughs) definitely not. Okay. Very cool. OSHA would have shut that place down so darn quickly, and Jayco would have had a field day. Just, no. Oh, man. And then, like, the, the... When Julianne Moore is talking about the fractured sternum being stable, that was just like, I mean, you did so much homework on the on the OR scene. You you didn't you didn't think to like fact check one thing in the emergency department. Like, really not great. I just have two quick things. One, when um, Harrison Ford uh, gives himself stitches, and you know, kind of, you know, he has that gash or whatever in his stomach, uh-huh. and he fixes himself up. Could you do that? Definitely. Okay. And next question is baller. This is kind of multi-part a little bit, but you know, when he's dealing with that kids, the the kid who got injured and he's dealing with his he's looking at his charts and stuff or whatever and he's uh-huh. kind of reassigning what he's what's what's wrong with him and stuff like that. Did, did that all check out for you or Yeah, can a janitor order emergency surgery? <laughs> no. He he held up the x-ray wrong. Like I mean, this is 1990s. We're, we're talking, so all of the stuff is written down by hand. You could easily fake a document. And that's why we've all gone to electronic medical records. The films you'd see on the computer now, they, they were with the patient. And he holds it up, and he's holding it in reverse. Yeah. So that's really the only thing I saw. And then the, the x-ray that they have is for someone who's, like, probably four years younger than that kid. Uh-huh. Um, but besides that, I mean, like, the, the kid had... I think they were talking about the kid when he had the fractured sternum, and like that's not a stable situation. The guy needs to go to the OR and get that fixed. And and one thing is that he, that they you I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but they it seemed to me that they reuse not a take, but although I I I did read that they did reuse a take um, when he's running in the woods, but um, but during this scene with the kid, they reused. It seemed, it, or it seems they used a different take of the same dialogue f- at a different p- 
part. So he first he asked him, you know, how how are you feeling? And he's like, oh, it it hurts or whatever when I breathe. And he goes, yeah, you know, like that. And then he's or he's like, how you doing, kid? He says, how you doing, kid? He's like, oh, it hurts. And he goes, yeah, like that. And then when he's in the elevator or something like that, he d- he says the exact same thing. He goes like, "How you doing, kid?" He's like, "It hurts." He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> and but it was different. It was a different performance, though, you know. Right. And I just thought, huh? I think they just used. They needed something to put in there, and they used a different take from earlier. Yep, you're right. And, and the kid says the exact same thing. You're right. He says yeah. like, "My chest hurts" or something like that. But the same also way. the way that he said, "Yeah," like that, it was kind of like. I don't know. It sounded kind of funny to me the way he said, "Yeah." He's, I mean, when I wanted to ask John was if you would say it like that, you know, <laughs> like if would you ever go like, "How you doing? How you feeling?" You know, and they, they say, "Oh, it hurts." And would you go, "Yeah?" Yeah. <laughs> I can honestly say that I've never done that. Okay. All right. I, I would. I also probably wouldn't caress the face of my patient as he's being wheeled away from me. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> independent right. of how how close a relationship we have, that's just. Oh. Actually, that, that's that's really hilarious. But the the would you I mean, you know, like you had to caress his face, you know, like you should start doing that maybe, you know, after yeah, you're done working well. on somebody, even well, if they're not even conscious, you know, just after, after you're done, you know, you did a successful wow. operation, just like wipe their face real quick with, you know, you yeah, know, take the glove off first, but you know, suck, plug, um, and caress. But actually, would, oh, would would that ever happen though when Julianne Moore asked the janitor to you know take somebody somewhere? Would that happen? Do you think? Um, I, I think very unlikely. They were talking about a mass casualty situation. Uh-huh. Um, so rules get changed a little bit. It becomes more like a triage system. Um, and if a, a guy is standing on a corner and not doing anything, he's got sufficient identification, he may or may not be asked to do something. Um, but I think it's very, very unlikely. Mm-hmm. Same, same, same amount of unlikely that Harrison Ford is surviving uh, a double gainer off of the uh, the Genoa Falls uh-huh. uh, yeah. is is he's gonna a Peter you know, Pan in Janner's outfit he's gonna get enlisted to start transporting. Well, listen, I think we could do a whole nother podcast on the big pharma side of this about doctors receiving oh. money from industry oh, sponsors. Yeah. Um, but we'll say that's that. that's actually something I didn't even understand at the end. Actually, um, was just you know Nichols when he why did he kind of. You know when he asked Nichols, "Hey, can you tell Bones that I need, you know, I'm going to come over there or whatever?" Why did he, Nichols kind of help him at that point? Oh yeah, there? helped him immediately. Well, I don't understand why he would help him with the Bones thing because that is some incriminating stuff that he's on. He, I mean, Nichols must have known at that point. Oh, he's on to some stuff that can, you know, be incriminating to totally. me or totally. And, and, and yeah, and I know, I know that he. And it's also just interesting to me that he obviously sends the one-armed guy to go kill him over there, but it's just, I don't understand why he would kind of help lead him to incriminating evidence. I thought about the same exact thing. You're absolutely correct. And he could have got out of it in so many ways. Like, he could have told him, yeah, I'm going to tell Bones, no problem. And then all he would have to say to Bones is, hey, listen, uh, Richard Kimball just called me. He's a fugitive. (laughs) He murdered his wife. He's a convicted murderer. Right. Don't, if he comes in, because he said he might be coming in, get call the police. Get him the fuck out of there. And 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 Bones even doesn't know what's going. He even says, "Hey, how'd that thing go with your wife?" Right. right that right. thing. It's not like she got a promotion. <laughs> she was murdered. Yeah, I just didn't get. Uh, I didn't get that part. I didn't get. Yeah, right. That thing with your wife. Right. <laughs> that thing with your wife, dude. <laughs> that thing where you killed your wife 
Anyway, I found that unbelievable. It's and it's all just to set up Harrison Ford going like it's not over yet. That's a pretty good line. Yeah, it's a good line, but the setup was just absolutely <laughs> absurd. Like Bones has to know the minimal sliver of knowledge. He's like, it's like it's not over yet. He's like, oh really? All right, I better read up. I better check that out then. I better. <laughs> yeah, don't. Oh, it's don't, not don't. over. Oh, I better read up on that a little bit. Yeah, is no. there any newspaper? Like, uh, no, yeah, no, is, no, no. Don't, don't. What's, Bones, what's don't up read with up Bones? on it. How out of the loop is Bones? I mean, geez, you know. <laughs> he lives down there, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, well, but then he protects the guy. Like he 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 does all this stuff, and he's like, okay, maybe he did do some reading, but then he's like. On, on Ford's side. I know. And another great line there, by the way. When the cops come in and they're like, hey, can I, um, you know, is there a bathroom around here I can use? And he goes, I haven't seen Richard Gimble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. Exactly. Yeah. They're like, uh, that's not what I asked you. <laughs> yeah. He's like, hey, do you have the time by any chance? He's like, I don't, I've never heard of Richard Gimble. I don't know what he's all about. I never heard anything about the thing with his wife. I don't know what, you know. <laughs> Now talk to me. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I, I can't believe the time has gone by already. But, but John, you wanted to, I think, do a quick uh, COVID update. And, and I would love to hear it from you. I'll tell you at least what's bothering me about it. I don't know how you feel, Brent, but I got my first dose. I'm getting my second Pfizer dose in less than a week, in about five days. Nice. I'm psyched about it. And awesome. there are people in my life, I'm not going to name names, but there are people in my life, maybe there are in yours too, who are waiting, who are, you know, I don't think they would describe themselves as anti-vax, but they're like not getting it yet because of blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. And so could you weigh in on that, doctor, and just tell me your thoughts on it? I got it. I got my second dose a week ago, by the way. Nice. And congrats. The, the one piece of evidence or the one piece of information that I found that um, can sway people is that literally every healthcare provider I have met, be it uh, tech, nurse, doctor, someone affiliated with the medical profession is getting theirs. There's, there is absolutely no sense in waiting. The, the parallel between this movie and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine um, are, are, are a really nice one. Um, specifically because when you have data safety and monitoring boards uh, associated with companies that are creating things like Provasic or like the, um, the adenovirus vaccine versus the mRNA vaccines, the, they take every uh, complication very, very seriously. So like the plausibility that this movie could have existed in the 90s, probably possible because in 2010 they did this thing called the Sunshine Act where now people have to disclose where they're getting money from specifically when it comes to pharmaceuticals um, and physicians and that relationship has been um, essentially publicized um, when it comes to uh, like the not the recall but the um, um, the stop on the, the J&J administration um, it was to give us time to evaluate the, the problem that was being had and also to educate providers. Um, what they're describing, these, um, these six cases out of six million, um, were a, a, a type of clotting, um, which is essentially the opposite of what was going on with the, um, the patient in this movie. Um, they were having these novel clots, um, which uh, do not respond to the drugs that we normally do. And so it doesn't make it any less effective. It makes it slightly less safe, but slightly in the way that we still are suggesting that people get the J&J &J vaccine. 
the only reason that we needed to spend that time and get more information was so that providers knew that if a person came in with the J&J vaccine and they were having headaches, stomach pain, um, or other uh, symptoms of clotting, including um, uh, pain in the legs or um, edema or the swelling of the legs, um, we would know what to treat them with. Um, and so we do know, which is, uh, which they gave us the appropriate amount of time. We've started re-administering the vaccine. And, um, you know, in order for us to get herd immunity, we have to be somewhere between 70 and 80 percent. And so people who are not getting the vaccine now are essentially just delaying reopening America. Okay. Well, thank you for the advice. Thank you both for watching this fantastic film and speaking with me today. Um, Brent, is there something you want to tell people about? I mean, obviously, they should listen to your new podcast, Gangster Party the Line. The new podcast, Gangster Party Line podcast, and iHeartRadio or Apple Music or wherever you want to, you know, wherever you get podcasts. And it's, uh, yeah, I think there's there's two episodes out right now, or actually maybe by the time this comes out, there'll be three and there's going to be 12 total. And the, the 12th one's going to be really cool. Fantastic. Okay. I can't wait. We'll have a big, uh, in-person, uh, party by the time the 12th one comes out also. Uh, and, uh, Dr. Dr. Dussel, what, what can I say, buddy? Thank you. <laughs> thank you for taking the time. Thank you for coming back. Your, your research and notes, uh, that went into this. I really, really appreciate um, anything else you want to leave people with? No, it's my pleasure. Get get the vaccine. I'd really love for July uh, July first to come around and celebrate my birthday with actual people. Yes, get the vaccine so that you can hang out with Doctor Dussel on your birthday, on his birthday. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> exactly. And your birthday if it's after that date, or if it's on that date. Yeah, maybe you guys have exactly. the same birthday. You know, you will yeah. get it. I'll celebrate together. You know, Doctor Dussel wants to celebrate your birthday <laughs> with you on his. <laughs> on his with you <laughs> all right thank you both talk to you next time bye bye thank you always a pleasure bad science is a seeker podcast produced by emily feld and me ethan edinburgh and the executive pro damn dive deucer is brett kushner and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.